message, I want to tell you all a story about a really big tree. Now, this tree had become a staple of this town. It's out in the national forest, and it's a big stately tree. And it's where people have gone and taken their ladies to and proposed underneath of it. It's where people go and have picnics. It's a big, beautiful tree. Well, one night, a violent storm came through. And this large tree, which, as I said, over the years had become a stately giant, sadly was found lying across the pathway in a park. Nothing but splintered stump was left. And after a closer examination, it was shown that the tree had rotted from the core, from the inside out, because of thousands of tiny insects that had eaten away at its heart. The weakness of the tree was not brought on by a, the sudden storm. It began the very moment the first insect nested within its bark. The tree fell not because of the storm. The tree fell because its, rot, its, its heart had rotted. It fell because it wasn't pure on the inside. Over the past several weeks, we have been talking about building a godly character, and the idea of being a godly person is a very noble pursuit. We would all agree on that, right? It's a very noble pursuit that each of us should embark on. Every person in this sanctuary, every person watching online should be pursuing a godly character. And I strongly encourage you, if you have not started this pursuit, to start today. It's a very noble pursuit. But in order to achieve this, as we have discussed over the past several weeks, we must lay aside our fears, is what we talked about last week. And we must live in faith, being willing and obedient to God, surrendering our will to His. And today what I want to do, church, is I want to take it even a step further than what we've already talked about. I want to continue to build on this because having a godly character is not something to take lightly. Lean to your neighbor and say, you better not take this lightly. Because this is not a casual pursuit. What this requires, church, it requires full commitment. It requires your entire being. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just a thing when the preacher calls, oh yeah, pastor, I'm doing it. No, church, this requires our entire selves being fully devoted to God, leaving nothing unchecked. And I say all that to say this, it requires a careful examination of our own hearts. And in order to have a godly character, we need to allow God to examine our hearts. You see, we can look all holy and righteous on the outside. We can do everything right. You can come to church, you can come to Bible study, you can give your tithe and you can volunteer. On the outward appearance, you can do everything right. You can do the, the to-do list of what it means to be a Christian. And to those of us who see you from a third party, you might be the greatest Christian that we know. But if your heart looks like that tree rotting from the inside, church, the outward appearance doesn't matter. 
If you don't have purity of heart, all of this, it doesn't matter. We're just going through the motions at this point if we don't have purity of heart. You see, being a person of godly character isn't about how you look to others. It's not about putting on this, this mask of righteousness. We wake up Sunday morning, we put on our fancy clothes, we come to church, look how holy and righteous I am. It's not what it's about, church. It's about purity of heart, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you to put that down. It's about purity of heart. Is my heart pure? And when your heart is pure, a godly character will flow from it. When your heart is right with God, a godly character just comes naturally. When your heart is right with God, purity will flow from it. And then we will see a person of godly character. And I was reading this week about purity of heart, and I came across a quote by Charles Spurgeon. And this is what he said. He said, the man whose heart is pure will be able to see God in nature. When the heart is clean, he will hear God's footfall everywhere in the garden of earth, in the cool of the day. He will hear God's voice in the tempest, sounding in the peal on peal from the tops of the mountains. He will behold the Lord walking on the great and mighty waters, or see him in every leaf that trembles in the breeze. Once the heart is right, then God can be seen everywhere. To an impure heart, God can't be seen anywhere. But to a pure heart, God can be seen everywhere. Church, this whole series is about this right here. Purity of heart. Go with me to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 20. Now, this is actually a slightly longer uh, passage of Scripture than I would typically read on a Sunday morning. But I want you to gain the full scope of what's happening in here. I want you to see the full context. And after we read the story, what we're going to do is we're going to do a side-by-side comparison of the characters in this story. And we're going to be continuing our series, Studying the Life of Peter, because at the end of this story, Peter is the one that asks the question to Jesus. Peter, you know, we all, we all know Peter, right? He's, the, he's basically the voice of the disciples. He's the one that everyone else is sitting quiet, kind of, well, okay, Jesus, this is what Jesus is saying. Peter's like, I don't understand, right? Peter's that kid in class that every time the teacher says something, Peter's like, hey, uh, can you do that problem again? Because I don't understand it. Peter's the guy that just puts his foot in his mouth and says, I I don't understand. I, I need your help some more. All right, so that's, we're studying the life of Peter, but there's a lot going on in this story. And so I want to read the entire context of it so you really gain what's going on. Verse 1 says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, I I love the way that Jesus talks to people in the gospel sometimes, because he's just blunt, isn't he? But Jesus has the power to do that. So some of us have to be very careful not to talk the way that Jesus did, okay? I know we strive to be Christ-like, but sometimes we have to remember Jesus had the power to say things, okay? Listen to what he said. And why do you break the command of the God for the sake of your own tradition? So the Pharisees are, are, are calling the disciples out, but Jesus turns it on them and says, yeah, but you're doing the same thing. For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might have otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honor his father or mother with it. 
Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. And this is why I said that. Listen to this. Listen to verse 7. Listen to what he says. You hypocrites. Like I said, Jesus had the power to say some things, right? He looks right at them, right? They, they're coming to him to challenge the disciples. And Jesus says, well, aren't you just a bunch of hypocrites? Isaiah was right when, the prophet, when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by, God, by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, and, and, and I like this question because if this question could be put into today's society. Listen to what he says. Do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? I thought this was written thousands of years ago. I, I didn't realize this was written today. How many of you are tired of hearing? Well, that offends me. Oh, church, that annoys me so bad. You, you have a right to be offended, all right? It, it doesn't change the truth. Well, well, I'm offended. I don't care if you're offended. The truth is this. And listen to what Jesus says. Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, we all love Peter, don't we? He's the kid in class. I don't understand. Listen to what he says. Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Come on, Peter. Jesus didn't mince words sometimes. I mean, at this point, Peter has been with Jesus, and Jesus says, you really? You still don't get it? All right, let me explain it to you, Jesus said. Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the body and then comes out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these things make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands doesn't make him unclean. Jesus says what comes from your heart, what you put into your heart, what comes out of your heart, that's what makes you unclean. So let's, let's break this story down, all right? We're going to do a side-by-side -side comparison together. So if you have your notes, write this chart down. The first thing that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the Pharisees, okay? And the Pharisees do this. The first thing the Pharisees do is the Pharisees condemn others. That's what the Pharisees do. They condemn others. Why do the disciples break the traditions of the elders? Why do they break the traditions, they asked? They don't even wash their hands before they eat. We have to remember, these are the Pharisees, the teachers. These were the, the law keepers. These were the guys that made sure everyone else was doing everything right. These were the guys that they, they considered themselves particularly what they called the custodians of the law. These were the guys walking around in their robes and all fancy, walking around. Are you doing it right? Are you doing it right? All right, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you doing it right? And they're walking around keeping everyone in check, and then the scribes are with them. The teachers, they're not only copied the scriptures, but these are the guys that taught the law. And in this story, they decided it was time to scrutinize this new prophet of Galilee. They thought it was time to come and challenge Jesus because they're the custodians of the law, right? These are the guys that know the law. They teach it, and they, and they make sure everyone follows it. So what do they do? They said, we need to challenge this guy. So what do they do? They come after the disciples. They attack the disciples. And here they are approaching Jesus saying, you're your disciples, these guys that you're hanging out with, they're not doing it right. They aren't doing what they should be doing. 
And the Pharisees, they're busy condemning others because of their behavior. They're, they're, they're going around saying, well, you're not doing it right. You're not. And, and the thing is, though, see, there's a difference between condemning others and keeping each other accountable, right? Because a lot of times we say, well, well pastor, if someone's not doing something right, then we should, we should challenge them, we should correct them. You're right, but there's a way to do it. We should do it in love and we make sure that it's accountability, right? We should, we, should, we should help them. But that's not what the Pharisees were doing here. They were just blatantly looking at them and saying, yeah, well, you're just a bunch of sinners. You're, you're, you're this new prophet, right? You're, this, you're supposed to be the Messiah, so you say, yet your disciples, they're not living right. And they're condemning. There's a difference between condemning others because not living right and helping keep them accountable. And the Pharisees are over here saying, look, your disciples, they're not living right. But the problem was, and here's the issue, the Pharisees were in no place to be condemning them. The Pharisees were in no place to be sitting back and condemning others. Listen to what Jesus does here. Listen to what Jesus does. He replies to them, he says, you hypocrites. Mm. Mm. That's some harsh language, isn't it? You hypocrites. I mean, he's calling them out. He says, you're, you're walking around condemning others, yet you yourself aren't living right. You're walking around belittling everyone and pointing fingers, sitting in the sanctuary, acting like you're all a holy roller, yet you're not living right. See, here's what he does. He denounces their doctrine because Jesus turned it around on them. He turned it around on their own spiritual need. The real need of the Pharisees was a changed heart, not more religious tradition. The Pharisees themselves needed a changed heart, yet they're walking around condemning others. The Pharisees themselves needed to be in check, yet they're, they're walking around condemning others. You see, the tradition of the elders that the Pharisees were talking about it consisted of interpretations and applications of the law of Moses, which had been made by various rabbis. They, 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 what they thought or what they sought to do was to build a fence around the law. And they did this by making hundreds of rules and regulations on how to, how to follow the law and how the law should be carried out. And the particular complaint that the Pharisees had at this time was the disciples did not ceremoniously wash their hands before eating. But Jesus says, you're just a bunch of hypocrites because what you're doing is you're calling my disciples out for not living according to your traditions, yet you yourselves aren't even following the commandments, the law of God in which you have, you have devoted your life to protecting. You're condemning others for not following your traditions, yet you yourself can't even simply keep the Ten Commandments. And he does this by giving them a very specific example. Honor thy father and mother. This is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. The commandments, it's the heart of the law of Moses. But the rabbis had made a rule that the son could tell his parents that the money that he should be using to care for them had been given to God. A child could say, no, 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 my, my money, I, I can't take care of you, mom and dad, because my money's been given elsewhere. And therefore, the son couldn't take care of the parents. And so what they did was they made void the word of God for the sake of their own tradition. And what Jesus is doing is he's telling them that their own tradition is actually breaking the law of God. 
Therefore, who are they to be condemning others when they themselves are breaking the commandments? So in other words, this is what Jesus does, all right? So the Pharisees condemn others, and what Jesus does is Jesus calls us to look at our own hearts before we ever try to correct or condemn others. He says, before you ever walk around condemning others, how about you do this? Check your own hearts. How about instead of walking around condemning the world and doing everything else, everything but focusing on yourself, how about you worry about purifying your own heart before you ever try to condemn others? He says, because you yourself, you're, you're breaking the law of God. He says, who are you to condemn when you yourself aren't living right? But we do it all right, don't we? No, no one knows about living right. The doors are closed, no one sees. As long as, the outward, as long as I'm outwardly a Christian, it's okay, right? So the Pharisees thought. Jesus said, how about instead of you condemning others, you focus on your own heart before you ever try to keep someone else accountable? And did you know he actually, he, he, Jesus said this, Earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, go with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 and 5. Listen to what he says. It's so powerful. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Why are you condemning others for the sawdust, for the dirt under their fingernails, yet you yourself have a plank? You yourself are doing something far worse, yet you're condemning them. Verse 5, listen to what he says. He says it again, guys. You hypocrites. You hypocrites. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. They were so concerned about condemning the disciples that they could not see that they themselves needed a change of heart. They were so concerned about making sure everyone else was doing everything right that they themselves could not see that their own heart needed purifying. You see, church, being a person of godly character is not walking around being spiritually superior to everyone. That's not what it's about. It's not walking around, look how superior I am. Look how great I am. I come to church every time the doors open. I sing the right songs. I do everything right. That's not what it's about, church. You know what it's about? It's about being a person of godly character that humbles yourself before God, understanding that you need intervention from God. You yourself need it. I need intervention. There's two types of people in this world. You have sinners and sinners saved by grace. I'm no better than anybody. Who am I to condemn others? Who am I to condemn somebody because they're not living right? I'm just a sinner that's saved by grace. That's all I am, church. And until I recognize that, until I humble myself to say, I'm not, do, I'm not perfect. There's only one perfect being, and that's God himself. That's God himself, church. And once I recognize that, once, I'm, once I recognize I'm just a sinner that's saved by grace, I have no right to condemn others, then I will be able to help people and guide them to Jesus Christ so that he can cleanse them and heal them. I can't cleanse others. That's not my job. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. All I can do is spread the truth. It's his job to cleanse them and heal them, church. 
We cannot condemn others, church. That's not our job. Our job is to make sure our hearts are pure and to help other people come and make sure their hearts are pure. The Pharisees condemned others, but Jesus calls us to look at our own heart. So let's go back to the Pharisees, shall we? Pharisees did this. They condemned others, and they were concerned with outward practices. You see, according to the Pharisees, as long as you were living according to their traditions, as long as you were blindly living within their legalistic rules, then you were okay. They were concerned with their own rules and regulations. And in this story, it's really interesting, in this story, they were more concerned about the ceremonial washings than they were concerned about Scripture themselves. They were more concerned about the dirt under the fingernails than they were about what the Scriptures taught. The particular complaint, as I said earlier, is that they were concerned the disciples did not wash their hands before eating. And the, and, the, and the thing is, though, the question was not about sanitation as much as religious ceremony. And so simply put, they claimed that you were unclean if you did not wash your hands before you ate. In other words, you were a sinner if you did not wash your hands a particular way that they taught before you put food into your mouth. That's what the Pharisees were concerned about. They were concerned about outward practices, ceremonial practices. As long as, you, as long as you were fine doing the ceremonial practices, you did them perfect, you were okay. Don't worry about what your heart looks like. Just worry about what you're doing on the outside. But that's not what Jesus was concerned with. Jesus says, you're all just a bunch of hypocrites. It's about purity of heart, not dirt under your fingernails. And so Jesus takes us takes this opportunity to teach Peter and the disciples. And he says it's about, he's concerned about the purity of heart. The Pharisees were, they condemned others and concerned with outward practices, whereas Jesus calls us to look at our own heart because he's concerned about the purity of our heart. Jesus says this, the language that Jesus uses is, what goes in your mouth is going to come out your backside. The food you eat, it's, it ain't going to stay in you, church. That's what he's saying. I mean, think about the imagery that Jesus is painting here. He says, you put it in your mouth, eventually going to leave your body. But what goes into your heart is what he's saying here. What you put in here and what comes out of here and what comes out of your mouth, that is what makes you clean or unclean, church. It's about purity of heart. He says, what goes in here, it's not going to... The food, it's not going to stay in your body. That's not what makes you clean or unclean. He says what you put in your heart, that is what makes you clean or unclean. And what's interesting is what he mentions in verse 19. If you go back and read those things, the murder, the slander, the adultery, all of these things that Jesus is talking about, right? So what he does is he, he, he uses a specific illustration to the Pharisees. And he says, look, you're, you're breaking the commandments. And then when he goes and teaches the crowd and he teaches the disciple, everything that he mentions, if you actually break those down, they, they, they are all covered by the Ten Commandments. Jesus isn't adding anything to the list. Everything that Jesus mentions is within the Ten Commandments. He's saying, if you keep my commandments, you will have purity of heart, and then you will be clean. Church, do you see it? It's about purity of heart. Our God is not necessarily concerned about our to-do list of religious things. He's concerned about the content of my heart. Do I have a true relationship with him? Am I keeping his commandments? Is my heart clean? I can look good on the outside, church. I can, I can come here and preach. I can come here and do everything. But if I'm not clean on the inside, it doesn't matter. 
Outwardly, I can do everything right, but if my heart is tainted, then I am not a person of godly character. And please don't mistake my words. Don't leave here and say, well, the pastor said I don't have to participate in church. No, the practices of the church and our traditions, they matter. They do. They have their place. Honestly, they do. The traditions and the practices of the church, they have their place, but only under the condition that our heart is pure. I cannot work or do these practices to earn my way to heaven. That's what the Pharisees were trying to do. They're trying to earn their way. To, if I do this, that, or the other, then I can earn my way to heaven. But it, what Jesus is saying, it's about your heart. It's about a relationship with him. It's about grace and mercy that comes from him and him alone. That's what he's saying. Everything we do outwardly should be a representation of a grace-filled heart. What goes in here and comes out of here, that is what makes us clean or unclean. And so church, with that being said, I want to leave you today with this. It's my last slide. Purity of heart. It's a choice. You see, you're not going to accidentally become clean or unclean. It doesn't just happen. You can't do all the practices and go, oh, I'm, I'm clean. No. It's a choice that you have to make. I can either choose to condemn others or I can choose to look at my own heart. I can choose to focus on the ceremonial to-do list things to, to earn my way to heaven or I can choose a pure heart cleansed by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It's a choice that we have to make. It's a choice that we have to make every day. Am I going to wake up today and choose purity or am I going to live in sin? And then am I going to live in sin and condemn others for the way they're sinning because they sin differently than me? Or am I going to live with a pure heart that is cleansed by Jesus Christ, seeking to help deliver that truth to others? It's a choice that we have to make. To be a person of godly character, I must have a purity of heart. And to have a purity of heart, I must choose to allow God to make me pure. The NBA player, A.C. Green, said that when he became a Christian, he resolved to keep his purity. And this is what he said. I love it. He says, we all have the power of choice. It's the power of choice, church. Our God isn't going to bend your arm backward to make you pure. It's my choice. What I put in here, it's my choice. What comes out of here my choice. We can't cling to, oh, I made a mistake. No, you made a choice. So we can either choose to live like the Pharisees, condemning others, only worried about the ceremonial things on the outside, or we can choose to follow Jesus, allowing God to examine my heart, seeking to have purity of heart that only comes from God and God alone. So as the worship team comes back up to lead us again, Church, I leave you with that choice. Question is, what choice are you going to make? Person of godly character has purity of heart. Stand your feet with us again, if you will.
come to a close, if you will, bow your heads with me. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for everything you've done for us. And Lord, thank you for sending your Son to come and die on the cross so that we can have purity of heart, so that we can be freed from the chains of sin. And Lord, as each of us have to make this choice ourselves, Lord, I pray that you will open up our eyes to be able to see you 
so that you can come in, sweep into our lives, and purify us. As we leave here today, Lord, I pray for traveling mercies for everybody, and I pray for everybody watching online. Lord, just continue to bless them and keep them. And it's in your glorious name that we pray. Everybody said it. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight at 630. Hey, how are you?